It's show 78 of the RIM Pro Report. Uh, this week, Jerry Dodens of FileBank in Toronto. Uh, this show is sponsored by all my friends at O'Neill Software. They've got technical support and customer service you can count on. This includes the regional coverage in the Americas, Europe, Middle East, Africa, as well as the entire Asia Pacific. All around great software. Great people, great support for your rim business. You can check them out yourself at O'Neillsoft.com. Let's get this going as we've got another great show for you. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Hello, I am back and I am glad that you are too. It's getting close to the end of February. I'm glad you could join us today. I'm very grateful you choose to listen to the show and I hope that Every week as you get to experience the great stories and the information and knowledge that's shared by everyone that I talk to, that you learn something really cool from it. That's really my goal in all this. It's to expose you to, on a regular basis, interesting people doing interesting things. So today I'm really looking forward to having a chat with Jerry Dodens of FileBank in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. As a fellow Canadian and building my own record center just up the road from him, actually a few hours away, I was able to watch the incredible growth of Jerry's company and then for the last 10 years being involved in the industry and watching what's happened there at FileBank, I wanted to get him on the show to tell me more about his story and share with us what's happened there. And what's kind of cool is he's been involved in the leadership of a new development in the Canadian independent scene in RIM record centers and developed a, a partnership that I, I think is really kind of cool. So I'm excited to chat with him shortly about that. At this point, we usually take a look at the industry news for the week, but sadly, not a whole lot going on that I could dig up. Yes, I could go digging into all kinds of peripheral things like data breaches and those kind of things, but I, I really like giving you the, the big ones and really nothing this week. Yeah, lots of conferences coming up that I'm excited about, but for now, I really want to get through to Jerry, and because there's no big news on the, the show, I'm I'm just going to get him on the phone and head right into it. So just hang on a second. Jerry Dodens is president of FileBank, a full-service record center in Toronto. Jerry has a lot of cool things going on, so I wanted to talk to him about them. Jerry, welcome to the RIM Pro Report. Hey, Tom. Hey, welcome. It's uh, good to have you on the show uh, I'm excited to have you on the show because I know there's a lot going on in your world. I know you know there's a ton of interesting things happening, which I want to talk to you about. But first, I want to talk to you about FileBank. So take me back to the beginning. How did FileBank begin? Uh, well, it started when I was uh, 19 years old. Uh, really? I uh, was, at a, uh, was then dating my, my wife um, and uh, was at a uh, family wedding, I believe, that she was the maid of honor, and it was the first time I'd met her family. So none of them knew me or talked to me. 
Um, and I spent most of the wedding on my own, but uh, did manage to connect with uh, one of her uncles, uh, who has uh, been become a, a lifelong mentor and partner in FileBank. Uh, and he had a seed of an idea. Uh, he was a former lawyer, so was very familiar with using uh, record storage as a service. Right. And uh, they were actually uh, getting into public storage. That was their big thing. They had actually, through a number of different investor partners, purchased 20 properties in an arc around uh, the city of Toronto, wow. uh, all in lower-cost areas. And uh, the, their plan was to uh, put up public storage facilities that would fill up in three months, maximize the value of the properties, and flip the properties. But it occurred to them at some point that it would be an interesting geographical thing to have uh, a record storage service associated with each of those public storage facilities and dedicate one of the buildings. So that was their, their concept. They really didn't have any concept or idea how much competition was in the Toronto marketplace. Right. They thought it was a great idea, and I had met David at this uh, at this wedding, and then subsequently met him a few months later at a family event at my wife's home. And he liked the way I talked to people. And uh, I wasn't doing anything at the time. I'd finished high school, and I was accepted to college, and I'd also been applying to get on the police force. And he thought that was a silly idea, <laughs> and uh, talked to me about potentially coming to work for him in his business. And well, he's an interesting guy. And my wife said, well, he's, he's quite successful. He's probably worth spending some time with. And that was kind of the seed that was planted. And I, I joined their public storage uh, group to run a couple of the facilities, try and market public storage in the small markets they were in, but also to start this file storage idea, which he had promoted to me as a as a new concept. And, and in one of the uh, the meetings that we had gone to, I met another gentleman that got me involved with the, the Toronto chapter of ARMA. Yeah. Uh, and uh, at that meeting, I, I went to the first ARMA meeting and with a small group, and I'm 19 years old, and I right. was pretty intimidated by the whole experience, and I had no idea that they were going to go around the room and ask people to introduce themselves and, and tell them what they did. And by the time it got to me, uh, they'd already gone through about 15 other record centers. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Telling them what they were doing, and, and I was by the time it got to me, I was my voice squeaked, and I had no idea what to say, that we were with uh, FileBank, and we were just starting up a record center, and that was an interesting experience because the gentleman who was facilitating the meeting worked for uh, the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, a fairly large bank in this country, and uh, he took a, a liking to me, I guess, after the introduction and invited me to come and make a presentation to the bank on, on doing their file storage, which was an equally intimidating experience. And that's sort of how we got rolling. Uh, we really had no idea what we were doing. I certainly didn't, didn't know anything about the industry, but had a, had a desire to do something. And uh, David, having been a lawyer and used the service, uh, knew how it worked, but really didn't know sort of where to start. We had some space, had an idea. Uh, I picked up the phone and started making about four to 500 cold calls a month to introduce ourselves to people and managed to get a couple of accounts, and it sort of grew uh, slowly from there for the first few years, doing everything myself. I, I did wow. all the deliveries, swept the floors, took client calls, at the same time trying to rent uh, public storage units. And, uh, after about three years, we'd grown and we managed to get a decent-sized account that warranted hiring my first employee, David Melke, who still works for me now. 22 years later, he's still uh, still with us and uh, running another division for us. Once I hired him and was able to concentrate on sales, the company actually took off. And at that point, we learned a little bit about it, knew all of our competitors, and knew what uh, we needed to do, and made one very smart decision, because at that time in our marketplace, barcoding was unheard of. We had one prospect tell us, well, if you get a barcoding system, we will uh, we'll use your service, and that was all my partners needed to say, okay, let's invest in a barcoding system. Uh, we did that and gave us a position in the marketplace, a bit of an advantage. Yeah. And uh, being the first to introduce barcoding to the to the service in Toronto, 
uh, and then we started to get regular contacts, regular clients coming in, and it, and it grew from there. So at that point in time, you were really seen as the innovator then? Uh, well, <laughs> as, a, as a 19, 20-year-old kid, probably not so much. I mean, we did have, it was innovative that we were doing that, yeah. but we certainly uh, had the mom-pop shop label, very small, you know, just a few clients. And we constantly dealt with, you're a nice kid, this sounds great, but, you know, you just haven't been in business long enough. We don't want to give you the business because we don't know you're going to be here tomorrow. Wow. So we dealt with that a lot, and that can be quite frustrating. So when you're selling, we had one, our first client was actually kind of a funny story because at the time, Bell and Howell had gotten into doing record storage in Toronto, and they had seen an ad of ours that we put in the paper, and so they talked to us over the phone, and I went to meet with them at their offices, but they never toured our facility. And when we went to pick up their boxes, we did win the business. She said, well, you know, we were really anxious to deal with someone who'd been in the business a long time. And I went to this Bell and Hall facility, and it was this big, huge facility, but there were no boxes in it. It was completely empty. And I just chuckled to myself quietly, picked up her boxes, and moved them off to our facility because, of course, our facility was a nine-foot-high converted public storage uh, building <laughs> uh, with no boxes in it whatsoever. And, and the reason she had chosen us is that we had a 1-800 number, so she assumed we were a bigger company. Oh, that's funny. So that, that got us started, yeah. uh, and as well as a couple of our investors were, were again, one was a, a lawyer and another was a market research company that had a small number of boxes. So we had some stuff to start with, and that sort of gave us a foothold, and, and away we went. But yeah, it was an interesting progression. It took quite a few years to get beyond that sort of mindset where people thought we weren't going to be around long enough to, uh, to be a viable uh, player in the marketplace. So when did you feel like you, was it at the hiring of David that you felt like you had transitioned or was there another point along the way where it felt like you had moved into a spot where you were a, a solid business at that point? Oh, I think it was, uh, it was probably about a year after hiring David. Uh, when we hired David, I think we had, uh, we just acquired a named, a recognizable named company. And at the time they had 5,000 boxes that we transferred into our facility. Hmm. And that was interesting, too. I mean, for people that look at uh, associations like ARMA and wonder why they should be involved, we completely won that bid because I had gotten involved with ARMA. And as soon as I joined ARMA, I got on the board as the treasurer, 19 years old. They wanted to give me the, the bank books. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure I can balance this. How tough can it be? Uh, but being involved with ARMA, uh, being on the board and organizing annual conferences and just you know doing my best at that yeah. and doing a good job, gave confidence in the other board members that I was someone that they could do business with. And so I was recommended by one of the board members to her boss, who had gone through the process of trying to find a vendor to, to store their records and wasn't impressed with who we met. Uh, I met with him, and, you know, the, the adage that uh, people buy from people they like, yeah. he and I had an instant connection, and so we got a 5,000-box account, hired David. Within two years of hiring David, we went from 13,000 boxes to 150,000 boxes in storage. Wow. So certainly that was a moment where I could concentrate on sales yeah. while we took care of operations. But during among those 150,000 boxes, we had acquired a decent-sized accounting firm, a named accounting firm, that we could uh, then use as a reference. And from that point forward, we, we lost that moniker that you're not going to be around long enough to take care of us. Right. We, we, we had volume. We were actually located in a small town north of Toronto called Bolton, uh, which was a bit of a logistical challenge, particularly for tours and other things. But having a name, a couple of names then on our, on our reference list gave people confidence and we uh, grew exponentially year after year from there. Wow. Where are you now? You're a, not in terms of location, but where are you now in terms of service offerings and size and things like that? 
I would say we're now a full-service commercial record center. We've evolved as the industry has evolved, offering threading services, offering document imaging, vault services, traditional record storage services. We did actually in 2003 to sort of diversify a little bit, and that's the division that David, my first hire, is now running for us, and that we provide IT support services for small to medium-sized businesses. And that really evolved out of looking at our client list. Uh, in Toronto, uh, much like everywhere else, 10, 15 years ago, there was a major consolidation with uh, the large players, first Pierce Lee, then Iron Mountain coming into the marketplace. Right. Well, actually, Recall was the first, right. and the first to approach us, and then we weren't interested in selling, but there's a lot of consolidation. So for a period of time, we enjoyed being the only local Canadian vendor competing with Recall and Iron Mountain, who had bought virtually all of my competition. Right, there were so twenty five so, vendors doing it. Yeah, back when you were nineteen and sitting in that armor room, you've got all these competitors sitting there, and within a number of years, all of a sudden they're gone. Yeah, they, they'd been, been swallowed up by the the large internationals, and that gave us a good position. But what it really did for us is that the large vendors were dealing with their consolidation issues; they were going after large client business. So all the small to medium sized businesses that were looking for a solution, I mean, they would do their yellow pages call at the time. Yeah, and uh, there's something we had held on too long. Anyway, um, but they were doing their, their, that kind of research. We were responding to them the same day. You know, we developed a very quick system for getting their information, responding with a proposal that was unique in the marketplace. But more importantly, a lot of those small clients were moving into our facility before they got a call back from the larger players. Right. So again, you know, a 50-box account wasn't important to them. It right. wasn't their bread and butter, but it was ours. So over time, of course, that created a, a client list that was growing. You know, we're up to about 750 customers now, but we were probably at about four to 500 at the time. And we looked at our client base in 2003 and said, well, you know, a lot of our clients are small businesses, and a lot of them are like FileBank was. You know, we had, at the time, I guess, probably somewhere between 10 and 20 employees. You've got a few computers. You're not big enough to need a full-time IT person, right. but you need those kinds of services. And, and I felt there was a need in the marketplace that would allow us to diversify. So, so we did that. It hasn't been as successful as I would like it to be, uh, mainly because the record storage continues to grow and, and take all of my attention. Right. Uh, but it, it now, you know, they have about 150 customers that they provide support services for. And interestingly, we thought that our client base were going to be our, our largest area for growth in providing those services. But that never translated. Hmm. Customers that are using us for storage just couldn't get their head wrapped around the fact that we did IT support as well. And in fact, we've probably received more storage customers from IT clients than the other way around. Really? That's that's really interesting. Although we continue to promote it. Yeah. You know, we continue to try and sell to to that client base, but it's very interesting. It's very difficult to make the trip down the hall from the uh, records department to the IT <laughs> and have them think, oh, yeah, this is a good fit, even though our service reputation is fantastic. Right. We thought that would be the connector. You know, We really thought, okay, if we do this, it, it's going to work very well for us because they know we do a great job at, at servicing their storage. Well, Probably, if you look at it in hindsight, you say, well, the average 50 to 100 box storage client rarely retrieves anything, so they probably don't have a lot of time to experience our, our customer service. You know, yeah. They tend to be more dormant storage clients. Right. Anyway, it, it has turned out to be uh, very good for FileBank as we've grown, because having an IT group rather than one IT person gives us a lot of bench strength. So we're actually now FileBank IT's largest IT client, and in situations where we're doing bids that involve digital storage, uh, using EDM or imaging, it's been a huge advantage to us to have that group part oh, of our yeah. group. Yeah. Uh, because we, you know, where you go through all of the different audits, 
right. uh, of your uh, of your infrastructure to make sure that your your, your web connections are going to be secure and they don't have to worry about their data being compromised. Uh, one large client did like a, a twelve thousand point check on our on our uh, network, and I think if we had one guy as our IT guy, we wouldn't have passed that audit. Having this group there allowed us to do that, so uh, you know it, it's worked very well for us, and it is diversifying our income to some degree. It's generating about uh, seven hundred thousand dollars of non-record storage revenue for us, which is not huge, but it's it's a nice add-on. Yeah, that's great. So one of the other interesting things that uh, I've discovered about you is you're not just running and not just involved in your own record center, which has locations in Toronto and Ottawa as well, but you have uh, the last year or so, actually a couple of years, developed this thing called the Innovative Record Systems Group. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, that was a, a neat thing that came about from when you are a regional player, and we, we're growing, and I would say we're a medium-sized vendor in the Toronto market, with the large vendors being Iron Mountain and Recall, uh, Iron Mountain having a national presence, uh, it made it very difficult when we started losing some clients mm-hmm. that have been with us for a long period of time. And, and over the years, uh, as, as we all do, as independents, uh, you know, if we get a client that needs service in a different market, we make phone calls, find an independent in that market. Uh, we had one decent size account, about 8,000 boxes that had been with us since they opened their doors. They were a financial management company who switched to recall without even talking to us. And the reason they switched to recall is they'd opened up offices in Montreal and Calgary and just assumed we weren't there. And so only spoke to recall. Recall got the business. And when they called to say we're moving, we were quite surprised. And at that time, I had already been working with James Bastian, who I think you've interviewed before, yeah. out of uh, DocuDepot and DocuData in Montreal. Yeah. And we're actually using their, their DocuData software. And I'd already met with uh, a gentleman, uh, Ken Waddell, in, in Calgary. So we did have partnerships we could have used to get that account. But, of course, in that way, you're reacting to the opportunity. Right. And usually you're too late rather than being proactive and being able to tell your clients you've got something. So... That was kind of the seed, uh, you know, and, and James was experiencing the same thing, and Ken in Calgary was experiencing the same thing. So while we were having those challenges, uh, James was having some success at selling uh, the DocuData software to multiple record centers across Canada. And Canada is a unique market for its size because while we're a very large geographic country, we don't have a lot of major centers. Right. You know, you, you've got to be covered in Vancouver, Calgary, uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal, and if necessary, maybe someone on the East Coast. But right. those are the, the major markets you have to cover. So we were quite fortunate that James had already managed to sell the software to vendors in each of those markets. I actually ended up selling the software to Ken in Calgary because we needed Calgary to be covered, and we'd already had a relationship. And I said, Ken, you know, you need to come to one of our user group meetings, which was coincide with the uh, with the PRISM conference. Come and sit in through our meeting. You know, we'll have lunch together. We'll talk about it. And after one user group meeting, he was so excited about the energy in the room, he said, yep, I'm going to be on the software. So at that time, we were talking about, well, how can we work together more closely? And at the same time, we had been contacted by a couple of major law firms that had national locations who wanted a national deal. And they said, well, you're either going to bid on this as a national vendor or you're going to lose it because we do not want to have multiple vendors across the country. So it was a big opportunity for us that really sort of drove the point home that we need to do something. Yeah. So we, we got together with, uh, with Bob uh, out of BCRMS in Vancouver, Ken, James, and myself, and said, hey, this is something we need to be looking at doing. Are you guys interested? And, of course, they said, well, well why wouldn't we be? You're going to hand us you know, new business and right. we're able to, to close these deals. So we, we talked it through and tried to figure out a marketing strategy and, and, and naming and how, what's the best structure, what's going to work best for us. And Initially, we were looking at just doing an association, but 
with one of the firms we were bidding on, which was they had 300,000 boxes across Canada, and obviously very attractive for me because Toronto tends to be the uh, the business center of Canada. Right. Very often, if there's a national deal, half the volume is going to be in the Toronto market, and right. that was the same case for this client. They had 300,000 boxes, but 170,000 were just in Toronto. Hmm. So very attractive for me. I was very motivated yeah. to try and solve their problem, uh, but they wanted something more than an association. They wanted an actual company that would own the contract. So they pushed it. We pushed it. We talked back and forth. We were extremely lucky in that all of the people that were buying James software were very, operated very similar to what we did. Very, very focused on customer service. Hmm. Very responsive. Great reputation in the marketplace. And they thought the same as we did. So we didn't really have to change anyone's mind, change the way they operated their business. It was a very good fit. And the software really is at the hub of that because when James was designing the, the Docu data system, the EDC system, he designed it with the ability to communicate behind the scenes so that it looks like one system, regardless right. of the fact that you're different vendors. Right. So we're able to go to the client and say, we're going to give you one national solution, one national price, one contract. And if your office in Montreal needs to take a look at some of the records in Vancouver through our active web product, you're able to do that. And we can give you centralized, single point of billing, single point of contact, because what the EDC system does is that at the end of the month, our master license here in, uh, in Toronto as the head office for IRG uh, simply through the Internet grabs all the data and activity that's happened in each location and creates one invoice for the client. Wow. Or creates multiple, depending on how the client wants it set up. So yeah. the two things worked very well, and we had instant success. As soon as we had uh, IRG set up, uh, we managed to sign two major firms and we're actually still in process of moving the, the second firm in. They won't be finished until May of 2012 before we're finished transferring their, their boxes. So that large 300,000-box client prospect became a client. And a lot of that is because there, there are so few national vendors in Canada, they, they were happy to see that there was an option. Right. Oh, that's so, so cool. That's yeah. such a cool so it's, story. It's been successful. It's been challenging. You know, when you've been operating your own, the partners that I have in FileBank are, are all mature business people that have done a lot of other things in their life, and this was a nice investment for them. They're not involved in the day-to-day. They, they leave me to run the business, which is great. Now you go into a partnership with equals across the country, and it really changes the way you operate because now you have to uh, – now you're selling all the time, and every decision that's made is uh, like a board decision. So right. it's very different than being your own person and saying, well, today we're going to do this, right. or I want to get into doing IT support services, so, so we do it. When you're in a group like that, it, the dynamic changes completely, and it's been it's been a very interesting experience, very successful, uh, and because we managed, uh, and we all feel that way, managed to luck into the right partners, and it wasn't through any kind of brilliance on anyone's part. We were just very lucky that we found people that were like-minded and were willing to do what it takes to make sure that the client gets what they need and gets that consistent level of service right across the country, even though you're dealing with unique vendors. Yeah. But it was, a, it was an interesting way to sell it as well because we were able to go to those large clients and say, yeah, we, we're not all one company, but what I'm able to do for you is I can move you in all seven of your markets simultaneously without me having to be in all seven markets, making sure it's going smoothly. Right. Uh, and because we did that with both of these firms, you know, we now have that under our belt. We have a proven model that we can go back out to the market, and now we can aggressively go after national clients where before... Again, we were reacting to the opportunities right, and yeah. trying to find partners. Well, now we have a footprint, and we can go after an awful lot more. Oh, that's, that is really cool. Well, congratulations on, on building something uh, that sounds like already it's, it's becoming a, a valuable addition to not only your business but your, your partners in that. Oh, no, without question, without yeah. question. So 
because you're always vulnerable to uh, to national deals. Yeah. Uh, especially if the head office is not located in your market. You know, someone in Vancouver can say, okay, we, we decide we want to look at this nationally. And over the years, I, I, it's happened often enough that we get a letter from somebody saying, you know what, you do a great job for us. We love your service model. The decision wasn't ours. We've been told we're moving over to company X. And, and this allows us to, to now promote the fact that we have locations everywhere in our websites, in our promotional material, in talking to our clients. We're really driving that point home and said, hey, if you have a location somewhere else, we can handle that for you. you know, and all the, the larger companies look to nationalize their services to yep. get you know, price advantages, all those types of things. And so now we're able to compete there, which opens up a whole different market without having to open up in every market. Right. And the advantage then, like you said, is you, instead of being reactive all the time, and a lot of times as a independent, you tend to feel like you have to close your eyes to the national deals because you can't get them anyways. Yeah. And now instead of sort of sitting quietly and being unaware, you're very aware and you can actually push it back so that uh, they're not even looking potentially at going to the alternative uh, right. vendors. They're locked into you because of the level of service. They they love that, and you can hold them in on that. That's really that's really yeah. great. Yeah, so it's, it's it's a good model, and then we expect it to be continue to be a success for us and bring in revenues and, and volumes that uh, that we couldn't bid on before. So it's yeah. uh, for all of us, I think it turned out to be about a twenty percent increase in our volume because of the size of the two accounts that we acquired. So it's, wow. No surprise that uh, everyone in the partnership is excited about it. Yeah, Partnerships work very well when people are making money. Yeah. So. so looking back over the years, you've obviously built from the time you're 19 a, a really cool success story. So what would you say are some of the, the main secrets of success for you? Well, it, we, we are obsessive about customer service. I find good customer service is the easiest thing to do and the hardest thing to do. I don't know why it's not natural for everybody, but, but it's not. We, we have regular sessions with our staff here, and I do annual meetings, and we do a number of things where, where I do two- and three-hour speeches just on the topic of customer service, and we never stop practicing customer service, training on customer service, and really driving point, home the point to all of our staff that it's a very holistic thing. Mm. You know, It has to happen everywhere. Yeah. It doesn't matter that you're doing file folder refiling in a dark warehouse all the time and you rarely have contact with a client you do have an impact on customer service and how you deal with that particular task. For our, our uh, you know, we're even getting to the point where we, we've stopped calling our drivers drivers. We really want to call them mobile customer service reps hmm. uh, because we want them to have the mindset that they're not just dropping off and picking up when they're seeing a client. Uh, you know, we want them to be interactive with the client. We want them to be able to be educated on the client's accounts and answer questions and solve the client's problems when they're there because they see the clients more than anyone else in the company. Yeah, they're seeing them every day if it's a tape loop situation. They're seeing them weekly if it's a you know a shred rotation or right. an active client. And it's really important to drive that point home. But you have to drive it home every single day right. and every single year. And every year we have our annual meeting, and I say, guess what the topic is for discussion this year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and invariably, even though we have a remarkable success rate for accuracy and, and, and client satisfaction, there's always an example to talk about where human nature rears its ugly head. Yeah. And if you're out on the road servicing, you've got 30 calls today, and you go into uh, call number 25, and you've got an hour and a half left in a snowstorm to finish the other three calls, four calls, and that client asks you to do something unusual, your body language and, your, and even the words you use probably don't give the client that impression that you really want to do that. And so my challenge as, as sort of the leader of the company is to make sure that 
we talk about this all the time, and that I, I go out and I travel with the guys on the road, and I go into the record center and work with the guys in the record center and, and talk to our customer service reps that are talking to the clients on the phone every week. We, we talk about examples so that it becomes habit. You know, uh, We want to make sure that your, your muscle memory, as they talk about in sports right. all the time, is, is the right reaction so that your body language doesn't tell the client, I'd rather not be doing this. Right. But that's a very difficult thing because I think we experience it all the time. Yeah. I'm kind of a, a nut about customer service. I think everyone at FileBank knows that I've been through about 50 dry cleaners trying to find the one <laughs> that's actually going to take responsibility when they shrink my sh- you know, my pants, or they uh, hand me back something that's covered in lint from someone else's stuff, because if you make one mistake with me, I'm moving. The difference is, and this is my wife's fault, when we were dating, uh, we went to a restaurant called the Muddy Duck in Newmarket, North Toronto, and I used to be a waiter. So she completely, the waitress completely messed up our meal, and I said, I'm not leaving a tip. Now, that really embarrassed my wife. She said, no, you can't do that. Right. Now, she thought she'd shut me up. She thought, she'd say to me, you're not going to leave a tip. You have to tell her first why you're not leaving a tip. She thought, okay, then I'd leave a tip. No, no, I told the waitress why. <laughs> we got free dessert, but my wife was very embarrassed that I actually talked to this woman and said why I wasn't going to give her a tip and what she'd done wrong with her service. So she created a monster. Uh, and then I'm like that wherever I am. If I'm getting any kind of service anywhere, I'm always observing what people say, how they interact, and what they're doing to make sure that I'm going to come back again tomorrow to get their business. Right. And the good news is I, I have now found a dry cleaner in, in a town called Bolton, and they are exceptional. And they're exceptional because if I go in there and say, you know what, these pants shrunk a little bit, and that did happen with them. The father-son team that run this dry cleaner, they're always there, wonderful people. They don't even hesitate. He doesn't even blink an eye. He just, oh, let me give you, uh, we're going to buy you a new pair of slacks. And I never make them do that. I tell them, look, you know what, those are old slacks anyway. What impresses me is they took responsibility right. uh, for right. the error. They didn't say, oh, you probably shrunk them somewhere else, or right. you know, this isn't our problem. They take responsibility. And, and we try and carry that through to everything that we do here at FileBank as well. So that when our clients experience any kind of thing, that they're getting a positive response. If you get to a client site uh, and they didn't call in a pickup, happens all the time. Yeah. You know, you're doing a delivery of a file or delivering of a box. You get there and the client says, oh, I forgot to call this in. I've got 10 boxes for pickup. And, the, and the, the rep knows, God, my van's full. I haven't got room for 10 more boxes. The normal thing that, that people do is say, can you please call into our order desk, um, create a pickup, we'll be back tomorrow to get that. We try and make sure that we train our guys to go a step further. We want to say, no, no, you've got a phone. You've got communication. Right. You're going to solve that problem for the client, and you're going to ask them when they need those boxes out. If they need them back out this afternoon, if you have to call me, and I've got to get into my car and go pick up those 10 boxes, we're going to do that to right. make sure we solve the client's problem. Right. right. Uh, There's a great book that was written by a couple of guys, I think, out of California somewhere, called Waymish, and we make that mandatory reading for all of our staff. Waymish. Waymish. W-A-Y-M-I-S-H. Why are you making it so hard for me to give you my money? Oh, it's a great cool. little book, 140 pages, example, 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 over about exceptional customer service and poor customer service, where you really drive that point home. But that customer service is a tough t- thing to sell. It is something that builds your business on reputation more than in a sales presentation. Right. It's not like my competition go in and say in, in a bidding process and, and tell the prospect, oh, yeah, those guys are better. Yeah. Everybody and we, says we, we, stink at, we stink at customer service. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> says that. You've got to prove it. Right. Uh, and so it really becomes a selling tool that, that happens by reputation, happens over time, happens by referral. But we had a, a meeting just last week with a, an existing client that is switching everything over to FileBank all the different services they use. 
there have been a, a like a 600 box a storage client who are now getting their digital storage. They're going to switch to the active web product for managing their uh, images and their digital records. We're going to get their on-site shredding, and it's all because of their experience with customer service. Right. We, we've never allowed ourselves to grow at the expense of customer service. Hmm. And sometimes that means you're saying no to some opportunities. Right. Because you know taking on one more large client now is going to hurt your ability to, to hire enough people, to train enough people in enough time to maintain that level of customer service. So, you know, we're over a million cubic feet, I don't know, about 800, approaching 900,000 boxes in storage. So we're, we're a, a decent-sized record storage company. We yep. probably could have been bigger uh, if we borrowed more money, invested more money in delocation fees, and, and took other opportunities. But it's been a controlled growth so that we can maintain that reputation and never let that, never lose that as an advantage. Yeah. Wow, that is, that's a very cool story, and it's it's a wonderful secret to me, the, the whole approach you're using to maintain that customer service edge or advantage on a day-to-day basis. So that's great. Thanks for sharing that with us. Well, my pleasure. We have blown through the, the interview time, and uh, I, I always like to ask one more question or a couple more personal questions, but I feel like there's there's one question that in order to finish this that's not personal it's maybe if you could go back and do it again what might you do differently or what thing would you add to your equation now with all you know in order to have changed things or made things better or to have kept you off of a path that took you the wrong way is there something you could go back and if you could change it would you you have another half hour (laughs) (laughs) we can do it we can do a two show yeah (laughs) i think there, there are so, there are countless. Yeah. I think that's all part of the learning process. I think every day, uh, the one thing that, that David Melnick, who I, I am so blessed to have had David Melnick uh, come into my life and be my mentor and be my partner all these years, he's a remarkable man, uh, just brilliant. And you know, what he taught me is every day you get to learn something, and mm. learning something is such a remarkable gift. Yeah. So to, obviously we can go back. I mean, we, we made a decision because the partnership we had at the time was to lease our facilities because it really was a, uh, a tax shelter. When we, the genesis of coming out of public storage, buying yeah. all those properties, right. you know, they were all high net worth individuals that were investing in the business. So we didn't buy any of our buildings. I, really, I mean, I would love to go back and change that. Yeah. So we lease our facilities. We don't own our facilities. And because I'm the young guy in the group who was not looking for a tax shelter, I was looking to build a business, it would be a huge advantage to us now if we, if we own our own facilities. Right. And what we've paid in leasing all over, the, over all those years, we could have bought them a couple of times. Yeah. So I would certainly change that. But, I mean, that's one of uh, about 4,000 things that right. I would say, gee, if I knew now, uh, obviously, who's, yeah. who's, who's heard that saying before? Yeah. Uh, knew then what I know now, uh, what a difference it would make. But, you know, you have to experience those things. Yeah. I have two children who I give them all sorts of, I think, brilliant advice, <laughs> uh, knowing that they're not going to listen to any of it because life is about experiences. It's right. not about reading a book and saying, oh, that's how you do it. If that was the case, then uh, then everybody would be uh, Bill Gates. Yeah, uh, we'd all be uh, smart. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's. I know I'm making mistakes today uh, that I'm going to grow from and be that much better tomorrow. Yeah. Well, Jerry, it's been a real pleasure. I love your approach to things, and I... I love seeing your story unfold. It's been a great story to watch. I, I've had the pleasure of maybe, in my own way, coming from west of you in uh, the Kitchener-London area, watching what's happened with you, and it, it's a really wonderful success story. So congratulations. Now, what is it about guys from Kitchener that are so good at talking? Uh, I, I don't know. I, One I, of my favorite authors uh, is Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. 
uh, author the tipping point yes. blank and uh, outliers outliers is mandatory reading for people here as well yeah uh, in fact i give them 10,000 air miles if they read outliers and come and talk to me about it and tell me all about the book really and he grew up in the kitchen area yeah, he now did. in new york and uh, world famous uh, speaker and author and uh, yeah well interesting company yeah and that's where rim started and uh although they're not doing so well anymore but anyway <laughs> yeah rim's had an interesting <laughs> time recently they certainly have yeah well, anyway. it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story and for sharing some of the, the other parts of it, and uh, appreciate talking to you. My pleasure. Thank you. Yep, as always, great stuff. I love Jerry's absolute insistence on customer service and how he continues to train and retrain on it constantly. That was a customer service lesson that I don't think we've ever talked about before and fabulous stuff. So thank you to Jerry for spending time with us and to you as well. Hope today's interview was extremely valuable to you. I believe it can be and will be just for you listening. As we finish the show, let me remind you that this show is sponsored by my good friends at O'Neill Software. What I like about O'Neill is not just their staff and their team and their product, but they have some pretty cool clients as well. Hang out around their forum long enough and you'll agree, O'Neill is who it is today because of their amazing clients. If you want to be part of their family, you can learn more about them at O'NeillSoft.com. That's all for now. We'll catch up next week as we bring February to a close. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.